Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone podcast is brought to you by Vox. That's V-O-X-X, Human Performance Technology. And what is Vox? What we're looking at is wellness and lifestyle socks, insoles, and 24-hour wearable neuro patches. And Brian, I've actually worn these socks before, and I love them. Okay, I think they're great. Yeah, so that you know they have um, independent studies that show that they've uh, or, or, you know can help increase stamina, endurance, and recovery, and and uh, you know some stability, and uh, you know a whole lot more. So we've got information on this on our website. Uh, so definitely go and check that out at twofitcrazies dot com under uh, podcast sponsor tabs. Who else are we sponsored by? Christine Conti. We are also sponsored by Conti Fitness, the best in online and personal training. A little mindset coaching as well, yoga, whatever you need, contifitness.net. As well as High Five Health and Fitness. So we create positive change in your life with online health coaching from High Five Health and Fitness. That's highfivehealthandfitness.com. Again, all this and more on our uh, podcast sponsor tab on the Two Fit Crazies website. Go check it out. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian's like almost fist pumping. We sure are where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 101. That's we right. are in a new generation right now. <laughs> That's right. We've, a new century. Yeah, new century. <laughs> and our new century is starting with a pretty amazing guy. Didn't just, didn't just fall in our studio. In-studio guest... Mr. Brian Price, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Price. Retired. So many names. Yeah, his no, name. He's so, amazing. Dude, it's so like, amazing. Where do you even start with, with Brian Price? Right? I, I grew up with Brian, and he's a, and he's a longtime friend. Uh, he was a year behind me uh, in, in high school, and you'll hear all about, uh, all about that. But since then, uh, you know, since his, West Point since grad. graduating, he's just gone on to like this you amazing. Know, amazing life of just one thing after another. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Well, when you're briefing the president and the secretary <laughs> of defense, et cetera, et cetera, on – you know, terrorism. And there's so much in here that he's fascinating. He's just someone that I think, you know, you look at, you know, you look at your, your journey in life and, and say, you know, am I happy with every day when I get up and what can people accomplish? Well, you can accomplish anything you put your mind to. And Brian will, Brian Price is going to really open your eyes to, uh, to a lot of opportunities that I think, you know, really go for what you want. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, are recovering this and recovering that and reinventing yourself, you know, so to speak. And, and, and Brian is just a guy who has always just moved his, his, his career and his life and, and in ways that, you know, we just kind of do like the next neat thing. And he's done so many things that are in a way very much unrelated. You know, they all maybe fell under the scope of, of his, you know, military training or, or you He's know. He's a born leader. So oh. I think that's the, the, you know, the string that holds everything together. So, so that's what you do. You know, when you're a born leader, then you, you know, you now in his current position, he's the, uh, you know, he's the lead. He's the head of the uh, Bocino School of Leadership at Seton Hall University. So he's the leader for the leaders. Uh, the School of Leadership needs a leader. And, and they who do they call? Brian Price. Um, he's also into, uh, you know, his, his new business endeavor is, um, is top, the top mental game, top mental game, which is uh, 
working with athletes uh, mostly and, and, and really anything that he's doing can apply to, to really any walk of life um, and, and any career from motherhood to CEO, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and really he's just working with people on, on positive mindset and creating a script for success. And, you know, and, and it's just fascinating just to hear all these things. Um, I mean, look, guys, you know, he's piloting Apaches in, in Afghanistan and mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's calling uh, baseball games it's as an Fenway. announcer from Fenway Park. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to hear this stuff. It's just like, um, you know, I, I use a term in the show and I'll let you listen to it. So, you, But you'll get my drift when I do say it, um, you know, that that he's just lived this life that is just like something out of out of movies almost. But you put yourself just like, you know, our last yeah. guest as well. You put yourself in positions of success. You surround yourself around the most successful people in life. And what happens is you naturally get brought up and, and that's it. You are the company that you keep is I always remember people saying that to me. And, and I think that that's something important for our listeners to remember as well. Think about your life. Think about the people you surround your, yourself with. Are they the leaders? Are they the motivators? And if the answer is yes, then you're making the right decisions. That's right. And, and it's with that. That, you know, from it, you'll hear from Brian is the humility. I mean, this is a guy that's done amazing things. I mean, he could stop now and just like leave the life's resume, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as Jesse Itzler said in episode 100, as is. And, you know, it would be enough. But, you know, it's just like the humility is just it's just there. And, and that's from keeping, you know, family and friends tight and, and, and uh, you know, having, a, a, you know, a, a good inner circle and people that, that he trusts around. It's just, you know, it's just really, really cool. And uh, I'm listen, I'm happy to know him. He's always been an astounding human being and uh, and, you know, just grateful that he can pass this stuff on to our listeners. And, uh, you know, and there's an opportunity for, for our listeners too um, to better themselves by, uh, by you know, taking up, uh, you know, his services and, and, and working with him. Um, this is his, you know, his career post-military that, uh, that he's going to be doing. And, and uh, Top Mental Game, I think, is something that's going to be helping a whole lot of people because if this guy can't lead you, then, uh, then you know, maybe there's some, there's some inner struggles that uh, you might want to check out for yourself. So um, with that said... Right, Christine Conti? With that said, mm -hmm. episode 101. New century. And 101 of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast. Enjoy. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And a microphone. We're where it's at. Brian Price, how are you doing today? Christine, Brian, I would answer my my favorite Brian Prendergast response, which is, I'm fantastic. <laughs> we got a listener on the show. I love it. I love it. And it's the Brian Price because, number one, we have an in-studio guest. And we love in-studio because it's a different energy. 
you know, we're not Skyping. There's not this, that. We get to, you, we have to behave. We've got to wear pants. I mean, Christine actually got dressed up today. Took a shower. Yep. I can confirm all are wearing pants. <laughs> we all have pants. Uh, so this is a long time coming for us. Uh, you know, um, Brian Price, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Price, retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Brian Price. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, but we go way, way back. BP, BP. We got Swan one BP talking days. to another BP. Uh, Brian and I played a soccer team. I believe my best recollection. I was in the fifth grade, and yep. perhaps you were in the fourth. Indeed. And uh, your dad was our coach. Jay uh, Price, shout out. <laughs> shout out to legendary sports reporter Jay Price. Uh, and, uh, and you know, this, this, that was going back probably, let's say, 1986 or so. We're going, but not today. Old school. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, all through high school, you were a year behind me. You yep. actually graduated with my lovely wife. Where the shout two, out to Maria. Shout out to Maria. Where the two of you were actually... Homecoming king and queen. Oh. Oh. Right? It's so true. <laughs> it is, so true. That's the truth. So true. And I always like to say that, you know, the uh, the United States of America was fortunate <laughs> enough to get Brian Price and Maria, hey, Maria. was fortunate enough to get me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God bless us all. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and, and going back to that time, you know, we, we, we I knew you then as, you know, just a great high school athlete, three-sport athlete. Um, you know, and you, and you were, uh, um, a leader then, right? Most certainly. Um, I can remember playing pickup basketball, like on a Tuesday night at Seagirt Elementary School, shirts and skins and like slapping the floor on defense because Price is on my team. <laughs> right. And like, that's, is just, there any other way to play? Uh, I know, you know, it would, there was, there was just, le- there's levels to this stuff. And, uh, and uh, that's Meek Mill. I'm quoting Meek Mill. There's levels to I this stuff. And, uh, and, you know, Brian is, uh, from the very start, uh, you know, is, has been someone who is, has been a leader. Um, you know, captains of football teams, and you went on to play baseball at West Point. Uh, you know, went on to uh, to the, to the academy, and um, and take it from there. Talk us, talk us to us. Is this something that's uh, natural to you? Is this something that um, you feel like you were born with? Uh, in your uh, the way that you um, work with leadership now, you know, what is it? Is it something that's ingrained? You know, um, first of all, thanks for all the kind words. Um, when you and Maria got married, I remember telling somebody that it was like two of the nicest people combining. <laughs> and the fact that you guys are then procreating is awesome <laughs> because that means there's going to be awesome, nice kids coming out. And so um, on the leadership stuff, look, I mean, we grew up in the same area. We're all, you know, shore kids. And growing up, I felt like I was always, you know, undersized, as you can relate, you know, as well. And just trying to to do your thing, you know. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, after high school. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, so I decided to go to West Point. And the good news there is they tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what you're going to do after uh, graduation. And uh, look, I thought I was going to get out after my initial commitment after five years and uh, the joke was on me, and I spent um, a little over 20 years and just retired this past July. And yeah, um, but leadership, I, I don't, you know, you never see yourself as a leader. You always see yourself as serving others. Um, and so that's how I, I, I still see it. 
That's amazing. So here's the deal. You said you didn't know what you wanted to do, so you go to West Point. That just doesn't happen, It's nice to have options. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Now, obviously, getting into West Point as a 15-year teacher before moving on and evolving to another profession, um, it's a process. And you... You need to study and you need to pull the grades and everything else. Now, you know, looking back, was this, my parents, I have to tell you the story that I played volleyball in college mm-hmm. and my mother and father used to sing Anchors Away to me because Uh-oh. they were thinking like, hey, you should go to the Naval Academy yeah. or like maybe you can play volleyball there. And, you know, because the same thing, it's you're told what to do. You're given a track. You're, yeah. you know, I kind of had that same academic background where you guys were just telling the story before about playing basketball at a young age and slapping the ground. And I mean, that was <laughs> me. That was, I mean, there's, you know, people say, what do you like? And like intense is the word that usually comes up. And that's a great word to describe <laughs> you. <laughs> and that's just life. It's the hundred percent. It's the, yeah. come on, get on my back. Let's do this. Here's yeah. a plan. I'm not going to say the plan always works out, but there's a plan. So, you know, getting into even deciding to go that route, that's something, how, how did you say, yeah, this is a fit for me because it's definitely not a fit for everybody. Sure. No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, coming out of high school, um, you know, so money was a it was an mm-hmm. issue in terms of where you go to school, and um, I was fortunate enough to get recruited to play baseball there. But it was funny because I got recruited. I went on a couple of different recruiting trips uh, my senior year, and other places that I went to, um, f- you know, for stayover and you know, meet the coaches and the teams and you, know, you see what the university is like. I didn't really feel like I fit. And then when I went to uh, the academy, I remember it was like. Um, it was like six feet of snow, you know, it was like, mil- it was, uh, I think it was January time frame. It was just miserable, but I felt like I was around the people that were like me. And I felt like, um, the fact that you would get, uh, you know, my, I, I don't call it a free education cause you, I obviously right. have to pay back, um, your, your, uh, you know, your tuition or whatever you want to call it in terms of time. But I felt like I was around people that were that would challenge me and kind of help make me a better me. Um, and you know, the notion of being able to play Division One baseball was obviously attractive. Um, but it was funny because I went to the, I was also accepted to the Naval Academy too, and I went to both places. But I felt like the the people at West Point, and this is no no, I'm not trying to dog out like Davy. You know, <laughs> it's I, a you, friendly you rivalry. Can do it. You it's can say friendly. whatever you it's want. Friendly. It's friendly. Um, however, I felt like the people at West Point. It was, uh, it was, leadership was more about people, whereas in some cases, um, when you're talking about either Navy or Air Force, you're talking about leading, you know, you, you lead people, but it's also more kind of machine oriented. Whereas like West Point is like pure, you know, a 47 month leadership program. So that, that's what was attractive to me. So how did you, so, all right. So now you're, now you're at West Point, you're playing baseball. Tell us about that experience now. So you were a born leader, you go here. What did they give you? I always yeah. love asking this to everyone at West Point. What did, What do you think if, you know, here's what I got? Yeah. Um, a lot of pain. That was different. <laughs> yeah. That was different. Um, you know, but I, what, what a, the kind of interesting thing that has kind of stuck with me is at West Point, um, you're so busy and regimented. So literally there was like, you know, you wake up early, you go to class, you go play baseball, and you go study. And for me, that was a lot of like what my high school life was like, you know, um, you know, obviously West Point's not a big party school, so you kind of miss out on that portion of college. But for me, um, they will, they purposefully give you more things to do in a day than you have the time to do it. 
And so in terms of like time management and, um, you know, one of the, the metaphors, the analogies that they talk about is uh, juggling balls. And you have to figure out which one are the glass balls and which ones are the rubber balls. So if you drop a rubber ball, life kind of goes on. But you can't drop those glass balls. And identifying what those glass balls are, are is, is crucial. And so, yeah, that's what West Point does. Now take us forward. So West Point, you got your West Point degree. And yep. now, you know, you're, you do what everyone else does. You get into say, so-called the trenches. I'll use that analogy. Yep. And now what? Now what happens? So I, uh, how, what you do at West Point and beyond is determined by your, your class rank, essentially. So the higher your class rank, the more you get um, the opportunity to kind of pick what branch you want to go in. At the time, I think there were 16 branches. Now there's 17 branches. And branches, what I mean by that, I mean like everything from armor to infantry to aviation to, to medical corps. And so I wanted to fly. Um, so I went to flight school right after West Point um, down in Fort Rucker, Alabama, <laughs> which is uh, very different from the Jersey Shore. Um, I had to quickly lose whatever accent that I had in order to survive. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you went to flight school and then you pop back, you know, you go back out into the, the operational force as a, I started as a Lieutenant, uh, I was a platoon leader for a while. Um, and then you, uh, got company command deployments, it seems like 20 years went by like that. So, and, and as all this is happening, you know, the world is taking place and we're working our way into some, uh, you know, some, some extreme environments. Uh, so where did, uh, the, the aviation take you as far as you know service time and 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 seeing time and action yeah it's funny how life kind of works out because when i was you know when we went to college um in the 90s you know it was after the cold war and i remember seeing guys that would come train us at west point when i was a cadet that had on a combat patch of the 10th mountain division and they had it on their combat side. So when you see um, soldiers on their left-hand side, they wear the, the patch of their current unit. Mm-hmm. And if they've been to combat, they wear it on their right. They wear their patch on the right-hand side. And so when I saw those, I was like, man, I'm like, those guys were in the in the poop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And because uh, FCC rules, right? You're no, so no, 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 no. Let it fly. <laughs> and so, and so um, I remember asking myself, like, you know, Somalia happened, Kosovo was going on at the time. I was like, we're never, you know, we're never going to see that. And are you ever going to kind of, is your medal ever not going to get tested? And it's funny how life works out because mm-hmm. graduated in 98 and, you know, three years later, the world kind of turns upside down. And so, uh, you know, so, I, you know, my experiences, I've been able to literally live all over the world. Um, you know, I lived in Germany for a while, uh, deployed to Afghanistan for um, a tour when I was a company commander. I was in company command for about 33 months, which is very rare of the same same type of unit or same unit, exact unit. And then uh, another tour to, to Iraq in 2011 and bouncing around deployments on the on the border, just all different places. So uh, it's funny that like initially I was like, is my number ever going to get called? You know, to kind of go down range, so to speak. And it was, <laughs> you know, be careful what you yeah, ask be for. Careful be careful. For. Yeah. You, you got I, all the action. And I was on the fortunate side. You know, I have tons of friends that have, you know, double digit deployments mm-hmm. and it's really tough on families. Um, that's one of the primary reasons why, you know, I decided to get out was, 
uh, but f- for family purposes, you know. Um, yeah, and after twenty so years, you know, it's it's yeah. it's, uh, it's time, and and I, I think that maybe what the listeners are starting to hear, and you know, you were flying Apache helicopters mm-hmm. and, and and a helicopter uh, aviation pilot. And you know what the listeners are starting to hear is like this Forrest Gumpian trail of mm-hmm. life that yeah. you've lived, um, that that you know is just going to continue to expose itself as we get through this, the, uh, get into this podcast further, uh, you know. And 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 I think that one of the things that the military certainly allows you to do, and something that Christine and I, uh, just like the military, have hung our hat on, is our is our abilities to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. And 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 get into uh, you know have do one thing for a while and then be able to do something else for a while. And then, you know, that's and something evolve that, and into evolve. the next thing. And 100%. you couldn't do what you're doing now without having gone through all of that amazing experience and leadership and, and being surrounded by those people and flying the helicopters and traveling the world, which you've seen so much that the normal, you know, the normal person doesn't get to experience that and see the world through, other people's eyes and the third world countries and sure. and how they look at you know the United States and how it, I think that led to kind of the evolution of Brian P- Price because now I'm again as a former English teacher and I'm you know really into books and Reformed. studying yeah you know Re- recovering recovering, recovering. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I still do read you know some words every once in a while but <laughs> words so you now leave right mm-hmm. but. In the meantime, your hand is, you know, you've been studying, you've got, you've got some knowledge up there. What, um, what that, did, that was one of the things I yeah. was going to say, like the, the West Point experience yeah. w- while you're in it, you're continuing to be able to take classes and gather degrees more or less. Right. I mean, you, you really got into, uh, you know, the, the educational experiences allow you to, you know, create these steps in your life. Yeah. Like the military, you know, I, I tell people all the time, they are, they will take from you. Right. But they also, the military gives so many tremendous opportunities to give you things. And if you take advantage of them, it can be life-changing. So um, after Afghanistan, after my company command, uh, the Army selected me to go back to get um, uh, uh, a Ph.D. from Stanford University in political science. And that was en route to going back to teach at West Point. And so, you know, I, you know my family coming from family right. teachers and coaches and stuff. And so um, that was so amazing to, wh- while I'm in the military... The army sends me for three years out to Palo Alto, California, <laughs> oh, to go what a shame. to study <laughs> under fantastic, you know, like literally life changing mm-hmm. scholars, um, and so yeah, just awesome experience. So you know, the undergrad is is from West Point. The uh, the you know the the masters is uh, you know another one I know that's out there, and then there's the you know the PhD from Stanford, and uh, you know so we, we, this is like. In addition to being a leader, Brian is also one of the most intelligent guys I've ever met. Honest to goodness. That will be dispelled in this podcast. Okay. No, no, no. Well, he's got a good sense of humor, too. So, you know, he's, uh, he's incredibly humble. And, uh, and some part of that sense of humor and humility is, is uh, self-deprecating. Uh, so we'll take it from there. Uh, but, you know, so you're getting the picture here. We've got a special guy. And, uh, you know, so from there, you are now brought back to West Point uh, as a professor and you're teaching political science classes uh, at at West Point? Yep. I was teaching uh, international relations and national security. Okay. And national security leads you to then being the director of, say this right for me. The Combating Terrorism Center. The Combating Terrorism Center at West Point, right? Okay, so at the United States Military. That's the coolest thing ever, Brian. You realize that? (laughs) Do you just go up to people 
if you're out, like in a bar and be like, <laughs> you know what I do? <laughs> you just drop that. People are like, so, or so, they move away from you, right? Like, you're like okay, <laughs> right. Weirdo. So I'm gonna like saying this with dripping with sarcasm, I like, just, like it's just fascinating the way the the world right now, the way yeah. that the world is combating terrorism seems to me like it would be a pretty important deal at the United States Military Academy. It was the best job um, I've probably I've had, you know, before the one I'm in now. But <laughs> um, so how that happened was really weird. So I was teaching at West Point after I got back from my uh, from Stanford. And then I was supposed to um, go back out into the army, and I ended up. Uh, uh, my time was going to get called to go to get deployed again, and so I kind of volunteered to deploy to Iraq in 2011. And so that was very different from my Afghanistan experience because I wasn't flying. I was a you know attack helicopter pilot flying Apaches in Afghanistan. In Iraq, I was on the ground with you know uh, with a heavy uh, with a heavy unit, and so that was very like disorienting experience for me but i learned so much and so when i got back from that i actually had the nice thing about deploying is that um i think the people back in dc feel sorry for you so they give you kind of your first dibs on where to go uh after uh that assignment and so i said i want to go to hawaii i was just going to ask where what tropical environment (laughs) did you want to go to hawaii and so i had orders to hawaii before um about a couple months out i get we're like our 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 household goods was going to get picked up and moved to Hawaii. And I get a note that says, uh, would you ever want to consider being the combating terrorism center director at West Point? And I just been, I just been in that, you know, that, that outfit. I knew what it was about. I I loved it. So I had to have that awkward conversation with my wife to say, um, Tanya, we're not going to, uh, Waikiki. We're going to, you know, upstate New York. (laughs) So, um, but that was a fascinating experience. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to teach, which I love. I had the opportunity to do research, which I love. Um, we'll talk about the book, I guess, in a sec. And then on top of that, you have to, um, that job is tailor made for, uh, briefing really high level people. Cause one of the beauties of the combating terrorism center was that we are independent and privately funded. So um, we don't get our money from the army. We get our money actually from donations. And so that gave us the ability to do research, independent research that, you know, no one was telling us what to write. Okay. You kind of had to figure out like what to write. And because of that, the generals and stuff loved us because we were not given the party line. We were giving, you know, um, our own research, like what quote unquote truth was. Right. And so I had the opportunity to brief, uh, opportunity to meet the president, opportunity to brief the secretary of defense, two CIA directors, FBI directors. I can't count how many four star commanders that we, you know, all the folks you see on TV from McChrystal to McRaven to Votel to Thomas. Um, it was just, um, blown away. Michael Bloomberg. Yeah. And so here's a person. Um, the funny part is like when I was growing up, I was terrified when I was a junior officer to like talk to higher level officers to the point where I would almost start stuttering. Like I was so um, in awe of rank. And then here I was as a major and lieutenant colonel having to talk to the secretary of defense. So when they ask you questions, you know, you have to be able to think on your feet and all those sorts of things. So that was an education unto itself. And it was very powerful. I had the opportunity to go testify in front of Congress, which was, you know, whatever gray hairs I have in my head um, <laughs> were from that experience. But it was, you know, I, I feel so blessed that I had all those opportunities. 
It, it it really is amazing. When we sat down and we talked, we one one day uh, Brian and I sat down at the diner and we had lunch and uh, and you know and he and he said just that you know I'm I'm speaking to these to the generals you know four star generals and they are interested in what I'm saying and you know it's just funny you know knowing the guy that I have known for all these years and and you know obviously knowing him I'm pure you know extremely capable and you know it makes sense to me uh but you know knowing you it, it, i would know, know that it probably is a, you know a shock you yeah know? and, and totally. just like you know strange circumstances and, and environment to be in but nothing that you're uh you know not suited for the gig uh you know for, and you've earned it yeah. you know it's the hard work and that you know what you've been through and all of that culminating to these you know to these amazing experiences which I, I call living you know you're yep. scared to death and you're yep. fearful and you do it and it's growth and right? that you know adrenaline like some people ride roller coasters you talk to four-star generals that's just yep there that, it is that's, but the beauty of this though is like and you guys can appreciate this your family like whatever opportunity you had to get like a little bit of uh you know oh, yeah. honey i do you know i talked to you she's like shut up and take out the garbage that, right like you're you know i was just saying after the boston marathon picture with me carrying the guy over the finish line it's like yeah great carry this out to the garbage yeah <laughs> exactly yeah 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 great picture you're a hero um go uh Christine, i need you to call these eight people i'm like but that's life right i mean yes. that's there's the no beauty of it there's, I always say there's, you know, you do these, like, you know, when you get deployed and all that's, you know, everything, everyone's got their, you know, I'm not discrediting someone who's you sure. know, not going out and, you know, serving our country, but they're serving something in some way. And it's, you know, life is not, you know, you're not entitled to, I always say that there's no, you're not entitled to a, a dog and pony show for anything. And I think it's very much, you know, and we're going to have you talk about this mindset a little bit too, that it's about yourself, what you do. You've got to say, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm proud of this or I'm proud of my research and here's what I've come up with. And I love the fact that you said you get to give that, you know, really authentic, unbiased research to people yep. and present it. That's powerful stuff. Yep. Most definitely. Yeah. And, 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 and they need it because there's, you know, military skewed things in one direction, you know, I, look, here am I telling you, but you know, and it's sure. important that they hear perspective. Um, you know, and, and, and empathy and things like that, um, uh, which I guess brings us to the book. So talk, let's talk about the book. Sure. So while I was out of Stanford, I had the opportunity to work with uh, a woman named Martha Crenshaw, who, um, again, this is one of those, like, you mentioned like Forrest Gump earlier, like this woman, she was out, um, she was originally from Wesleyan University, but then was out on kind of a, a weird sabbatical out in Stanford. She's like the Dean of terrorism studies has been writing about it since the 1970s, a woman in this field, which is very, very rare, um, and the, pretty much the nicest lady that I've ever met. And so on one summer, I said, i got to come up with a dissertation topic because um, we were supposed to be finished in three years. So there was no time to, like, joke around. Most of the grad students out there are five to seven years, and so we had to do it in three. And um, I said, can you meet with me, um, you know, for a course in the summer? And she did. And... Um, I nerded out like every conversation I had with her, I showed up 15 minutes early. I had my, uh, recording device. I record our conversations like some weirdo and, um, it just blossomed into this dissertation, which was, um, I know this doesn't really fit with your audience, no, but just to, you know, nerd out for 30 does. seconds. So, um, there's this big debate, um, in the field about whether or not, uh, killing top terrorist leaders or capturing top terrorist leaders actually makes the group, more susceptible to organizational death or less, you know, or more resilient. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, the academic consensus at the time was it is ineffective and counterproductive to target these top leaders. And everything I knew about leadership in sports or military or you know yeah, just you, in life, I was like, that doesn't sit well with me. You cut off the head of the snake. It's right, a snakehead right. metaphor, yeah. 100%, 100%. And so I actually did an empirical analysis of 207 groups from 1970 to 2008. Um, and I, I took a look at it like almost like uh, I stole from the biomedical community because they have uh, a specific method that helps you evaluate the effectiveness of certain treatments. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for example, if you have a population of, of uh, patients and they all have a, a, you know, a certain a disease or affliction, sure. you give some the treatment effect right. of, and then you give others the placebo mm-hmm. effect, and then you can kind of compare, is there a statistically significant difference in their survival rates over time? And so I, did, I applied that same methodology to terrorist groups, except my patients were my terrorist groups, and my treatment was whether or not the top leader was killed or captured. And so I was able to identify a number of different, you know, um, variables like uh, does it matter if you're looking at a a religious terrorist group or a nationalist terrorist group? Does it matter if you take the head off the snake of a large group or a small group? Does it matter if you kill the leader or if you arrest them? What's better? And so, um, yeah, all that kind of turned out into an article I published in an academic journal in 2012, uh, which got a lot of good responses. And I'm like, maybe I got a book here. And so I was able to kind of craft my dissertation and turn it into kind of a book. And then that just got launched by Columbia University Press uh, past January. So um, congratulations. Crazy. Amazing. Tell us the title. Targeting Top Terrorists. Um, not necessarily a, uh, an Easter or Christmas book, <laughs> but <laughs> if, you're, if you're into that sort of thing, uh, knock yourself out. It, it gets right to the point. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's, you know, it's just fantastic. And, you know, I see that, you, you know, you had the, on Facebook, you know, I see and you have your book. It's like, okay, yeah, like it all makes sense. Like it's all just, you know, traveling along in this, you know, this path that you would expect from a dude like you. Don't judge me. Um, I was really excited for your book title. <laughs> and don't judge me for this, but we were a big Jack Bauer family. Yeah. <laughs> in addition, I'm a huge Nelson DeVille, Nelson nice. DeVille reader sure. with all the, you know, conspiracy theories yep, yep. and the, you know, Again, that's my. That was the stuff that I was when I was not teaching Shakespeare and whatever for a little bit. That was your. uh, You love that genre, yeah. I love that. I mean, and then you know, I'm looking at your books and I'm like, this is awesome. So, uh, what are we talking? Any pictures in this book? Uh, a lot of pop-up, <laughs> you know, um, uh, color by numbers um, okay. type things right. for my little brother, Sean. Good. So. Is that, did Oprah pick it up for the book club? <laughs> Not yet. Um, maybe I need to get Christine on, on, you know. Oprah. She's persistent. Uh, get on it. Hashtag Oprah. Yeah. Get on it, Harpo. It's six degrees of separation from everyone. There's, I'm working That's right. on it. All right. Working Christine's on is like gotcha. three. Uh, all right. So. Now we're back. We're back. Uh, you're, so now you're back teaching at West Point. You're you're uh, you know heading the the uh, counterterrorism uh, outfit there, the department there, and you are back to a love of yours that I know very much. So is baseball. Yes. You find yourself back in the dugout in uniform. Yes. Third base coach. What do you? Do? What's your uh, first base coach? First base coach well, for the West Point Black Knights of the Hudson of the Hudson. So, I, I mean, again, this is one of those where, like, how does fate kind of work out? So I played baseball at West Point, as you mentioned, for four years. 
had an absolute blast. And then when I came back as a faculty member, um, they have a spot on there for a volunteer assistant. And, um, when I got back, I was playing for my, my old coach or able to coach with my old coach. And, um, that was a job unto itself. I mean, uh, division one baseball, division one sports, as you guys well know, you know, is, it is a, a second job essentially. And so I had to tell my wife with our relatively newborn at that time that <laughs> I was, I, cause I counted the days or the kind of the hours. It was about a 40 hour work week, um, playing, uh, and coaching. And so, but what an unbelievable experience to, uh, to coach division one athletes and to give back to a program that had given me so much. Um, it was just a blast and I don't care. Whenever you strap on a baseball uniform and you're in a dugout and you're chewing seeds and spitting, I mean like, it doesn't get any better than that. Boys club. You know, know. you love that. And, and baseball, I mean, baseball for you is, is your heart. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I remember having conversations with you like on the, the bleachers in the gym of Manasquan High School about minor league baseball hats. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody had a catalog with all the cool logos of the minor league, the, you know, the, the, like, yeah, the slugs. like the mud cats, yeah. yes. you know, you know, and, yes. and like, you know, the Nashville sounds and, uh, you know, and, and you were like, yeah, that's a good league down there. You know, they, they, <laughs> the quad city river bandits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, the, you know, they, and, and it's always been, you know, a, a, a passion of yours and, and obviously, you know, one of the best, you know, you were very, good football player too and basketball player and you know baseball was most definitely your best uh, you know for for sure maybe if you were a little bit taller and yeah. bigger football <laughs> would have worked out for you but Story uh, my life. yeah exactly um and so you know now you're back and you're helping these kids out and uh you know you're in a in a different role obviously but you're in the game you know the greatest game in the world you're you're yep. you're able to take part in it and uh spit some seeds and uh and and have some fun so uh i just I, you know i just can't imagine that what a thrill that was you know and, and something that yeah with the workload okay how am i going to figure out how to do this yeah. right cuz it's going to happen right? yeah <laughs> uh, you know I, those couple seasons that I was doing that, it was it was really powerful. My wife eventually told me, you know, hey, time to, uh, you know, you can keep coaching, but we're gonna have a divorce settlement. But we're and moving you, to Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you can coach all you want. Um, but the uh, but then I had the opportunity after um, I, I got you know I wasn't coaching anymore in order to still be involved with the team as a as an officer representative. And then they had the opportunity to invite me to be the color commentator on their radio broadcasts. And this, you talk about growth, Christine, and like getting outside your comfort zone. I'm sure you guys, you know, realize this when you started the podcast. Like, it's much more difficult. Like, now you guys are like totally seamless. Like, you're bebopping and you're, yeah, you're crushing mm-hmm, it. Just like that. It wasn't like that, <laughs> you know, for any of us when we, when we first start doing something. And so we got my first game that I had covered. Army was playing Navy at Camden Yards um, at a professional stadium. <laughs> no pressure. And so it no pressure. was completely in the, yeah, in the booth. pressure filled. And then we got to go do another one at Fenway. And, you know, um, yeah, it's just I, I awesome. want to ask you awesome. about that. I want to yeah. ask you about that because, you know, your father's a sports reporter, yep. obviously. And he, and he, you know, has been around sports and in locker rooms and, and all those things. And and you know been on scenes in Olympics and right yep. correct and, and yeah and, and Super you know, Bowls World Series everything all nine yards right and for Staten Island newspaper which was Staten Island Advance the Staten represent. Island Advance <laughs> all right Jay Price also an author uh, it runs in the family <laughs> a lot of things run in this family Christine yeah um, and uh, you know so but you get to go Camden Yards is cool Fenway's oh different right 
you get into the broadcasting booth at Fenway. Are you in the broadcasting booth? Where are you? Yeah. I mean, are you on like the so, visitor side? Are you in Susan Waldman's seat when she's there? Are you in? Uh, so we were um, where the, the the visiting radio broadcasts okay. out of. So, so we were, were sitting right where John, know, and, John Susan and Susan would be. Are, yeah, are you were on the Jerry Remy side, right? It was like <laughs> literally out of body experience um, being there um, and, and and calling those games. And Rich Demarco, who uh, was my partner, is just the absolute professional. Um, but it was like, it was one of those like bucket, you know, yeah. you know, bucket item moments. It was like crazy. Yeah, pinch yourself. Totally. Like, like why, why, why I deserve to do, to be here. Did you use any, uh, military vernacular or like some phrases that might've, uh, made it through the loopholes of F- FCC regulations? <laughs> right? No, I mean like any Apus or Oscar mics, like anything like, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Blue Falcons, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I, I, I kept it clean. I, I kept it. I kept it clean. You know, it's a family show, Brian. Family show. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, again, the the Forrest Gump aspect of of all this is just you know it's just something that you, you've you've had. But you know, a charmed life. Uh, yes, you know, to 100%. date, very blessed, uh, and and uh, it's just been it's just been an amazing trajectory for for everything. Um, while you're at while you're coaching baseball uh, and you're at West Point, you come into a situation. I think when we spoke, like one of the some of the athletes needed some help yeah. with uh, with some visualization and some mindfulness yes, things, yes. And, and that lands you in the another department that they have there at, at West Point. Tell us about that. Sure. So um, actually, when I was a cadet, they started out this place there called the Center for Enhanced Performance, which initially was to give mental skills training to. The Army had uh, a Olympic athlete program, a world-class athlete program. And so, you know, if you watch the Olympics, there's usually, like, you know, bobsled, biathlon. There's a ton of, like, you know, active-duty soldiers that are also mm-hmm. performing um, in the Olympics. And track and field. Uh, I know 100%. From running, mm-hmm. they have the... And, Dan Brown. And, and, yeah, you know, they, absolutely. Um, I saw him break the four-minute mile um, at, when I was at West Point. It's a thrill. Um, so, I, so, but they would give these mental skills to, like, help these um, athletes perform under pressure, you know, when it mattered most. And so I was a fortunate beneficiary of that on the baseball team because they would then branched out and started working with Division I athletes and teams at that time. And then they decided, wait, why are we, you know, why are we just doing this just for these Division I athletes? Can we expand it to the entire core of cadets? And then they started reaching out to elite special forces units. And so these same mental skills that are kind of um, that help people perform under pressure, whether it's you know elite Olympic competition or Division One competition, are just as valuable when you are dropped behind enemy lines and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. Like how do you perform when you have all this pressure on there? And so that's where I kind of started to get the taste of of this and how uh, useful it was would be for athletes. And when I came back as a as a faculty member and a coach they were like knee deep in it with the baseball team. And so we're talking weekly sessions and I saw so much value on this in the back of my head. And this is, I was still active duty when we had that conversation, um, Brian. And I remember telling you, like, I think that there's, I'm onto something here and that I would uh, one day like to kind of give these same type of mental skills and performance coaching on the, on the, in the outside, the private sector, uh, when I got out. And so I'm kind of at that, kind of at that you moment. You sure right are. Now. I want I want to get into this because it's this is fascinating to me. I mean, what we're talking about now is is 
you know, a buzzword around, you know, the, the health and fitness world, which is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, and, and then looking within and calming the mind and slowing things down. And like you said, when the fast bullets are flying, uh, you know, that we not, these soldiers and these, you know, the military and, and the athletes and everybody, like when they're in their, the, the heat of the moment, you know, need to be able to slow down. Um, just like people are going into the business world now and just like people are having, you the know, flow. M- moms. Yes. Be in the flow. Yeah, right. Right. And, and, and all these things. So, so what is it, uh, but like, what is it, what are those, the core, uh, you know, principles of what they're teaching and what, what kind of, what are even just the basic things that they're teaching? Yeah. So there's a number of different things that we kind of, um, work with, with athletes and I'm actually doing this right now at Seton Hall with their division one athletes. Um, I have, I work with, uh, with both individuals, but I also work with, um, with the golf team. And you talk about another sport that is like completely mental. Oh yeah, um, the yips. Yeah, uh, big time. If you've seen me play golf, uh, I can. I'll, <laughs> I quit. I'll show I, you. It, it makes me angry. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> um, and shout out to women's golf team right now because they're playing the Big East Championships. Yeah, uh, yeah. As we're Go taping, Pirates. As we're taping. Go Pirates. So um, what I do with folks is. Um, uh, so I, I bring them in, and I want, and you guys are when I listen to your podcast, you are already hook, line, and sinker into this because when you're working with your clients, you're not just looking at their physical aspects. You both of you, and I've heard you say it on the podcast, and I, I know you're already doing it. You know, with High Five and um, and Conti Fitness, like you, you're dealing with the whole self, right? It's not just the physical aspects; it's the mental component too. And when I look at when I look around the area and you see this explosion of personal trainers, um, explosion of skills coaches, and I'm talking skills coaches for everything from swing coach, pitching coach, uh, volleyball hitting coach, you know, um, speed coach, yeah, yeah, yeah bigger, footwork. faster, stronger, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all those, that is all that is fantastic. But what I don't see is anybody really focusing on the mental side of the house. Um, so while I will never give people tips on how to run a marathon, um, you know, that's like totally your lane. I, I'm trying to start this mental skills side of the house and combine it with some of the per, uh, professional coaching. So at, at Seton Hall, um, I became a, uh, I went to a course accredited for, to become an ICF certified coach. So these are the same folks that coach CEOs and C-suite individuals and executives mm-hmm. in the private sector. But I'm combining that with some of these mental skills. Now, these mental skills, what I'm talking about is, again, how to perform at your best uh, when the pressure is on the most. And so what do you need in order to know in order to do that? One, you need to know who you are, kind of what makes you tick, um, your strengths, your weaknesses. I love it. Your values. So like I, when people come in my office now, um, the regimen I, f- I first put them through, I first put them through a values exercise. Um, I, I have a big old deck of cards, about 150 cards with all these different values. Everything from... Uh, you know, family to uh, sexuality to um, fame to money, like all these things. And I have you put them into three categories. Not important to me, important to me, and very important to me. And I have them go through the entire deck and lay them all out. And then I go to the very important pile and I say, you need to get that very important pile down to 10. And usually that's tough for some people, Mm -hmm. but it forces you to like go through that. And then I say, you need to prioritize that 10, one through 10. That's even tougher. But at the end of it, people are like, why, why? I came in here for mental skills. And I say, you can't, you know, we're going to come up with a game plan for you to get where you want to be. But in order for your, you to know where you're going, you need to make that plan that is consistent with your values. Meaning if you put family number one and you tell me that you're just going to, you know, spend 20 of your 24 hours away from your family doing these other things, then something's kind of out of, out of cahoots. 
Um, the second thing that we talk about is kind of goal setting. And um, it's I'm really kind of really fascinated right now about the kind of neuroscience behind um, how we set goals. And, you know, uh, and there is a science to, to those things. But the probably coolest part of, of, of what I'm doing right now is combining uh, visualization and imagery exercise combined with some of that goal setting um, and using software. It's called M-Wave software. Um, I think HeartMath is the, the place that does it. But it gives you kind of instantaneous biometric feedback on your heart rate variability training. And so um, I, you can hook up to a person's finger or uh, their, their earlobe, and it will test. It'll very sensitive um, identify the, uh, the, the time in between your heart rate. And what happens is, is that like our minds control our hearts mm-hmm. and our hearts control our minds. And I think you probably, you know, um, you get this when you're doing your, your marathon training, like how your mood is can sometimes influence how your athletic performance is. Absolutely. And, um, and vice versa. Like, uh, sometimes your athletic performance can influence your mood. So we try to get students, um, what I do, I, I run through a couple different exercises with them. One is like a baseline where I'm just, I'll, I'll hook you up for five minutes. I'll leave the room and you're alone with your thoughts. And I come back and your heart rate variability is all over the map because you're, you're not focused. You're thinking different things. But then I put you through a visual, a guided visualization imagery. And I, I am now also testing your heart rate variability. And it's amazing to see the amount of coherence that people get when they start focusing on these things. And you're smiling because, you know, your mom has been, has known this stuff for, you know, decades. I think that mindfulness now is what yoga was Mm -hmm. 30 years ago. Yep. If you were doing yoga 30 years ago, some people were, you, you know, maybe folks in your family were, you know, you were like kind of weird. Yeah, you're you were, on the fringe. You're in Woodstock. And now look at Fortune 500 companies with yoga and sleep pods and mindfulness training and and so like I think that this the, this mental skill space is what yoga was 25 years ago. Um, so I'm excited about that. The last thing I'll say is on the visualization imagery, um, the kind of like what students or student athletes will walk away if they come through some of my sessions. And I'm so excited about this is I have them. uh, So I have a swimmer and I have a golfer and using some of these visualization imagery techniques to kind of um, get your uh, very, very similar to to your mindfulness stuff. Guided, guided meditations is probably the closest thing that comes to it. But once I figure out what your values are, what your goals are, where you think you are and where you want to be, I then have you come up with a script to like walk you through what your perfect event looks like and not mm-hmm. just what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, what it tastes like. So engaging all of your senses. And so for example, um, you know, for my swimmer, I get him in this flow state to where he walks into the gym and he can start smelling the chlorine, in the pool, mm-hmm. yeah. you can see his coaches around and I, and he, I walk him through his entire performance all the way until he outstretches his hand and touches the wall and he looks up at the, at the you know, the, the times and he feels that exil- like to put yourself through that, you know, complete scenario. Um, and the cool thing is, is when you hook people up biometric feedback wise, it's not, Hey, do this. Trust me. It's working. It's not only do this, it's working. And I'll show you on this screen that 
you're that's cool you're more in flow um so yeah i just talked for a really long time I no apologize. are you kidding me fascinating <laughs> see i'm gonna come back to this brian and i had brian this brian brian Pendergrass had this um the co-host yeah had this conversation the other day and we were talking about you know um very high level athlete and we're talking about the secret and when people ask you what's your secret and you know brian was like that's you know it's consistency it's showing up and i'm like really because people ask me what's the secret and i tell them it's it's yoga and they they say that i'm full of you know what they're like christine you did not just do like a, a marathon and iron man your secret's not yoga and i'm like no it is because it's the breath and it's the mind and it's that What's your mantra? What are you thinking about? Like, you know, Brian makes fun of me too about, you know, I roll up to the start lines with my cup of coffee, Facebook living, calm, calm. Yeah. That's my thing. It's the, the athlete's calm. village at the you're, Boston Marathon is not a calm place. It's, not calm, it's but, a bunch of stoic, stone faced, and, yeah. and scared I, people. When scared I did Iron Man, same thing. Hey guys. Hey, hey, great job. Great. That's me on the course. What did I say? Not one person talked to me, maybe one person all day. And I'm like, how you doing? I'm going to pass you on your left. No, I'm not. Here I am. Still, I'm so slow. You know, my name's Christine. And it's that, that calmness, that ability to, like you said about your heart, about, you know, being present, craziness goes on around you. How do you stay grounded? What is it that's going on in your mind? And you mentioned guided imagery and something that, something that I do, which I, you know, I ask you about this. I'll take people through and say, all right, let's take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Inhale, exhale, relax the forehead. Let the let it go. Clear the mind. And then take them from head to toe just for a few minutes. Yeah. And then have them, listen, if you can't sleep, you're, something is, you're, your mind is racing, you're this and that, start hearing my voice. And for me, one of the things that, that I do, and I'll see what you think, even running, you know, you go big race, your body hurts. At some point, you know, you're West Point, like you said, pain, right? Yep. Physically, mentally, there's times you can be broken down. Yep. And again, for, for my perspective anyway, we're just what I've gone through, you get it to a point of where everything hurts and you want to stop. And it's, I don't care what you're doing in life, who, where you are. And what I do is I count to 10. I say, all right, Christine, I'm going to count to 10 and let it in. All right? One, two. And by the time you get to 10, guess what? You're okay. Yep. You, you let it in and you just experience it and then somehow i don't know i'm still alive and it it's just that that idea of calming for an event or for that moment when you say like yoga is a secret you know um and again i don't know if i would have felt this way like 20 years ago but think about when you perform at your best Mm -hmm. and i don't care if it's basketball or marathons or whatever when you when you ask people you know, say they break a like world pr you know their mm-hmm. you know their pr but a world record um or they win the nba championships and you say you know reporter sticks a microphone in their face and says well, what were you thinking and they were just like nothing nothing right so like when you think about when you perform at your at the peak performance you're you're coherent you're you're not thinking about the 85 different things that are going on in your world and so I do think that there is a component of what you're saying of yoga will train your your mind to do that. Um, when you are uh, uh, thinking about all these different things, it's difficult for your body to to play at its best. And so this type of mindfulness stuff is meant in order to kind of get you more in that state. 
Um, and that's a, it's getting you into a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. The other thing I think that is a, a myth is when you talk mindfulness, you know, people are like, you know, touchy feely. Yeah. You know, like, you know, um, here's the deal. And I think you hit on this. It doesn't necessarily mean that you walk around with roses and unicorns and rainbows and, you know, you can't experience pain, but it's what you do when you do experience those things and how resilient are you so that you can get back to your, your kind of flow state. Um, and I see this with my athletes uh, all the time. I, that That's one thing that I've definitely run into is, is, you know, is, and especially dealing, you know, dealing with men. And dealing with macho men, yes, and then having me tell them that they need to uh, be more mindful and relax and have a centering act, you know, something that will will bring their their focus back to center and 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 things. And I, you know, maybe even have them download Headspace onto their phone yes, and, 100%. and and meditate. And you know, they look at me like I'm a chump, and I'm like, no, but you haven't tried it yet, and you need to do this. And I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to be the most important thing that I can teach you. And we've. We, you know, we we do these things like we we just had an eight week you know just reset at the gym where it was just you know it wasn't anything more than like it wasn't a challenge or anything like that it was just a reset like let's just take eight weeks and really just like get back and make it a priority our health and and uh, one of the things we had a point system that you can follow just so to keep people yep. engaged and interested and um and one of the things that I did put on there and I made sure that it was there was to have mind my uh you know the mindfulness aspect to it is and have headspace or if you meditate you know you'll get 10 points and the more the most successful people that did it a people were like point junkies and they were like I'm going to sure. meditate I'm going to meditate yeah. right now <laughs> <laughs> you know like and they they got their meditation in to get the points and they slap in the floor too so, yeah. so there was that there was that but there was also you know the the people that did it were you know the feedback was I can't believe how helpful that was They're that was really helpful yeah think clear everything and the beauty of it, it this isn't just about sports like yeah. that is for the kid that is terrified in their public speaking it is for the person that needs to go make the big sale or the clothes at work. It's the it's when you're dealing with your toddlers and your head wants to explode. I was just gonna say it's for the it's, it's for the parents, parents you know? absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's for the kids if yes. we can teach the kid and and it, that's the the most you know uh, the most optimistic thing about it for me is seeing it in the schools now. And I have friends that are, have you know companies that are doing things like in elementary schools and and teaching just kids to to relax and even my mom was teaching yoga to in the camden catholic school system for a while and those kids you know they live in you know similar situations to what you know the military guys are living in it's a war zone and you know if she can get them to relax and you know when there's literally bullets whizzing by their their heads you know at times yep. uh then then you know you could just see the benefits of it and and people look at it like it's a you know like a like it's you know beneath them to do that or they're they're too hardcore for that or you know and i just i just that's one of the things i love i love that the you know the military academy like who's tougher than those guys yeah um you know who needs to be more cerebral than those guys and, and let me say this you know for the folks that are like yeah this is too um touchy-feely for me this is out of my element you, as you mentioned military new age right you take a look at um the top professional teams right now and they all have mental skills coaches mm -hmm. on staff i'm not talking uh, uh Joe Madden with the Cubs, uh, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll. P yeah. I mean, yeah. they are big believers in this. And that trend is only going, you know, north, not south when it comes to Joe people Madden's focusing a God. on this stuff. I love that, man. Um, you mentioned something before about um, the secret. And um, so 
I'm in this visualization certification course right now. There's a woman that was a professional basketball player, uh, Lindsay Wilson. Shout out to Positive Performance Training. Um, so she is into neuroscience and all these other things. And I think one of the things that we can do with the neuroscience aspect is capture some of the hacks that our brains are already doing, mm-hmm. but use them for positive, you know, positive things. I'll give you one example. Um, there's this thing called the reticular activating system, which um, sounds really fancy, but it's kind of like your brain's way of making sure it can filter out things in order. It used to be in order to kind of keep you alive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay, uh, this boulder over here is great, but this saber tooth tiger coming at me <laughs> is what I should really focus on. Right. And so, um, but it, it's, it's, um, it limits you to what you can kind of focus on at one time. And so here's, I'll give you two examples that I think, um, you'll probably appreciate. If you've ever thought about like buying a car, a new car, and you, you maybe search for an hour and you go online, you like look for your color, your model, like all those little things. Have you ever noticed that like after you do that or after you tell someone that you're interested in getting this car, that you see that car everywhere? Everywhere. What is that? It's your reticular activating okay. system, right? Because um, you're laser focused on the... Yep. It's subconsciously, you're telling your brain to identify, to be on the lookout for those things when it was never in your radar screen. I'll give you another one. If you've ever learned a new word that you're like really proud of yourself, a new word, and then you hear that other people using that word all over and you're like you feel you get a little sense of pride like that's your reticular activating system and so what we try to do with our with our athletes um at at seton hall and then with top mental game is to tap into that and so when you are talking about your goals and those sorts of things if you can play these uh, guided meditations and scripts at night before you go to bed first thing when you wake up or pre-competition pre-practice stuff you are injecting that type of those positive feelings and thoughts into your head so that you're letting your reticular activating system kind of work for you to seek out the positive stuff as opposed to the negative stuff. In this class I'm taking, they said that we have 50,000 thoughts that run through our gourds per day and that the majority of those are usually negative, right? And those are negative to kind of keep you safe. You know, don't, you know, do the same thing you did yesterday, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, safe is comfort. And so uh, what they say is when you, because we also talk about positive self-talk in, in what we do with our athletes, and it, you, what you want is a ratio of three to one, three positives to, to, to every negative. And if you can do that, again, when you are, we all play narratives and scripts in our brains. Um, and when, if m- most of that narrative of a script is fearful, don't do things, don't get outside of your comfort zone, then you're going to be in your, you know, you're going to be status quo. If you can trick your brain into kind of focusing on those things that you want, and we can talk about affirmations here in a second, um, that's powerful because that's seeping into your subconsciousness. So that is like your default level of thinking as opposed to, you know, trying to turn it on. There's a great, the SEALs, the Navy SEALs have a great, you know, uh, phrase which they took from a Greek philosopher. And it says, um, we don't rise to the level of uh, the occasion. We fall to the level of our training. And Mm. so... With what we're doing, I want my athletes to build up this, you know, bank of positive mental thought so that when the bullets are flying, so to speak, they fall to the level of what their default is. Because if you think that you're just going to flip on Boston, you know, you're not going to toe the line at at Boston and flip the switch and then become, you know, uh, 
Meb, that, right? Well, yeah, like, no, that's it. And and you know, and, and some of it's conf- like you said, some of it's uh, the the confidence helps the training, and the training helps the confidence. Like, 100%. like the the mind is a muscle, just the same. And and you know, we always say the long run puts the cat in the tiger, or the tiger in the cat. You know, it, it put it yep. puts the tiger in the cat, and uh, and it's it's. It's just fascinating to me because the level that you've done this with, the level that and, – and to, to hear that this is like the difference that, that you know, can really be helpful to so many, um, you know, it's just, it's just a really enlightening thing because I know it's out there and I know, I know it full well because I – you know, I, and, and we, I live it. I try to live it. Um, you know, I think that, that my talent's only going to take me so far. Uh, and I think that there's just more to it. There's going to be more. My talent's going to go further if I'm if my head's in the game and my DNA, you know, my mental DNA is just a little bit more rigid with with some of these things. And and um, you know, it's just it's just you know really really um, fascinating to me. I think I, for I our listeners out there as well, I think hearing this conversation right now, I would I would challenge our listeners to kind of self reflect a little bit about some of the times that you know you've experienced success in your life. Yeah. And how you felt, you know, what, what was going through your head? Like you said, you know, when you, you know, when you won that game or you got that promotion or what was going on, yeah. Did, were you thinking about a million things? And, and again, it's that laser focus, that mindfulness, I, you know, again, that flow, um, that flow state of where you're just being, you're not thinking you're, you're being, it's just, it's happening. Your body's doing it. It's almost, it's almost surreal. Yeah. Like you, you know, wow, I, that's done. I just did this. And um, I think that's important to remember and also think about when you were not successful or when you were fearful, what was happening? What was the difference and identifying how can I better, how can, I mean, how can I better deal with these situations and, and what can I do and what, what did I do differently? Um, I think that's, you know, that's so important. And you said you were going to mention affirmations. I know I've, I'm the self-proclaimed, yes, you can girl. Yes. And I refuse. I've cut the word out. I've cut the word hope. Out yep. of my dictionary, there's no hope. It's, not a it's I will. Multiplier. Right. I hope that this works out. No, this will work out. And um, also, I can't. People say, "Oh, Christine, I can't." Well, actually, there's three words. Can't is the other one. I, I, I don't understand what and like, and I'll yeah. you know do it just to. And there, people laugh. But I said, actually, I, okay, that's fine. You're laughing, but I don't understand. You're gonna, you're gonna what? Celebrate what you can do. Don't tell me what you can't. Yeah. To, what can you do? And then, um, and then the other one, what was I going to say? Oh, sorry. The whole, I'm sorry. No, you're not. We're not sorry. I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. I, it, I, I will use the word sorry if it's, you know, I'm applicable. It, yeah. If you yeah. really need it, you use that word, but it's I'm sure your oh, husband I'm, appreciates it. Right, you use sorry. Right, I don't know if I'd absolutely. be able to get by with that in my house. Right. Yeah. It, there is a, a, but I know what you're saying. There's no reason. I'm, I'm sorry, but can't, no, 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 nope, nope. The, Here's what's happening and here's why. Here's what you're going to do. And I think you see that in a leader. I think you see that in someone who is going to take charge and, and again, bring you to a destination or a goal or whatever that may be to you. So this is something that we've, I've gotten some positive early feedback on and it's, I'm starting to think more about it, which kind of leads to the affirmation side of the house. Every time I hear affirmations, I always think back to like Stuart Smalley and Saturday Night Live, you know, um, people uh, like you. (laughs) So damn it, um, I'm good enough. But this is, and I think you guys definitely see this with, uh, some of your clients that are just starting out and get frustrated with their lack of progress or initial progress, or maybe they see great initial progress and then they're in that kind of plateau area. 
And so, uh, you know, going back to some of the things we do with Top Metal Game and with the students at Seton Hall um, in terms of goal setting is uh, when you set a goal, you have to make sure that, you know, there's lots, there's a great acronym on called smart, setting smarter goals. The folks out there can, can Google it. Um, but it's making sure you pick the right goal. But I think you, it's not just setting a goal. Then you have to figure out um, how behavior maps to that goal. So, for example, um, if your goal was to be say, I want to become the short conference cross-country champion, then I like to kind of flip that around um, and say and ask the question of, and, and add on the affirmation, I am a short conference cross-country champion. What would a short conference champion do? And so what types of things does that bring up? So that's sleep. You know, yes. a short conference cross country champion gets eight hours of sleep per night. A short comp, like when you are going to out to dinner with your family or whatever, and you have that decision: do you eat the you know the jumbo burger, or do you have the salad? Mm-hmm. And you ask yourself: it's not just I want to be a short conference champion. It's what would a short conference cross country champion do in this situation? Nutrition, sleep, how do they work out? All those things. What kind of minds? Like when you're presented with a problem how would a short conference cross country champion respond to this? Right. And so by having that, um, internalizing that affirmation of like, you're not, this is not what you want to be. This is who you are right now. I love it. And so that's how your behaviors then can map onto it. Otherwise, you know, I want to dunk a basketball. Doesn't yeah. do me it doesn't, you know, yeah. much. I, I, I am do... Wonder Woman, and here's how I got here. Yeah. What would Wonder Woman do? I say this, this every day. This yep. is, and I know people totally laugh at me. You guys can totally laugh at me right now. <laughs> but that's like the, you know, like that was like the running joke. And it's like, all right, what would Wonder Woman do? You have two choices in life do something or do nothing. Always do something. Correct. That's how I live my days. And I know it sounds. I, it, it's you know I get it no I get it and and I and I do and I do it too we call it rungs to the ladder what are, what are the rungs to the ladder what are these ste- these steps that we have that we have to take and and each step has multiple steps beneath it right what does eating well look like right so that means you know prepping and shopping and 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 knowing the difference between well and not well and and what does sleeping entail what does better sleeping entail right so there's a with the a, you know a short conference or a state champ we're going state champ here gotcha, we're gotcha. going state champ so a state championship runner uh you know uh is going to uh is going to sleep eight hours a, a day so what does that entail what does the rest of the day have to look like yep. in order for that to happen correct what is bedtime what is, you know what do, if homework has to be done before that bedtime and and how am i going to get every Everything in and everything goes into it. I love that you put them in that place where I am, uh, and what does that do? What is and what is what is a successful marathoner? What is their relationship with their family? Is something I say all the time. Correct, because we can put all this stuff aside and really become hermits and live not much of a life in order to to really do some, just had this some fantastic yeah. things and. And I, I just think that, um, you know, I, I just think that that there's something to be said for that. Too. That's why I start with the values. Yeah, the values. Um, I, it's been par- it's been powerful for my um, for my athletes because when you really can focus on not the goal that your parents want you to achieve or the goal that your coaches want, it's, it's what do you what do you want to achieve? And when you have ownership of that, and you can and and you select the the right the right goal, meaning it's realistic, but it's not you know, um, it gets your goosebumps going, right? It's measurable. It's specific. It's time oriented. Like all those things kind of go into selecting the right goal. Once you do that and you can flip the script on the affirmation and then map your behaviors to what that goal is. And this, 
this, we're talking sports, but this could be what you want to do at work. This could be being a better husband, being a better father, being a better Saving wife. Saving money. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. What, what would a person who, you know, right. is a million dollar person do? And, and don't, don't discount that. And don't just say it's just about that because, because what we're talking about is health, right? Mm-hmm. And what I talk about is health and what Christine and I, you know, we do on the show is health. But if, if, if our finances are out of whack and we hate our job and our relationships are, are no good and all these things are unhealthy, we're not going to be very healthy, right? Weight loss is tough or performance is, is, is going to be hindered. And, and all of these things just all funnel into, you know, from a world of health. I say it's like the umbrella, right? The umbrella with the panels on yep. the umbrella. And if one of these panels aren't full or there's a tear in one of them, we're going to get wet. So we want to make sure that I we, love that metaphor. Yeah, use it. Go ahead. I got an umbrella actually. Done. I actually have one uh, <laughs> with letters on, or, you know, the words on yeah. it, and uh, it, it works very well. So, um, uh, and it, you know, it's just it's just a way for us to to look at you know for what you're saying. You keep coming back to it, and we're yeah, we're talking about the military, and yeah, we're talking about countering terrorism and all this stuff. But it's all health, right? Yep. Because the goal here is always to live a long, healthy life. Um, and and to and part of the way that ensuring do it is, is to just to do these things that are important to us um, in a healthy way. So you know, it's just it's just all of it is is just you know it's just really really great. I want to get into um, a little bit more about. I mean, we're we're running long here. You got time? You guys got time? Got a couple minutes. <laughs> minutes. All right. Here. Uh, so you're. Uh, uh, let's hit real quick uh, what you're doing, just briefly, you know, briefly at at Seton Hall. What your title is, what the school is all about, and what what you're working with, and then take us into yep. um, your business. Yep. So uh, retired from military in July. Um, uh, wanted to remain in in Jersey. Um, you know, I lived down here all my life, and so uh, started a, uh, a university wide leadership program at Seton Hall University called the Busino Leadership Institute. Uh, where we have competitively selected students the, for a four-year comprehensive program. Uh, so uh, much to their chagrin, they have to see my ugly mug um, every week uh, and potentially for four years. And so uh, we're doing really some innovative things to, to include bringing in some of this mental skills training um, as well as some other experiential opportunities for them. So fantastic program. If you want to check us out, you can go to uh, www.shu.edu backslash leadership. So that, that'll get you to the Bustino Leadership Institute. I'm also excited. I think I mentioned a couple of times um, uh, this organization called Top Mental Game, which um, I'm getting outside of my comfort zone and uh, uh, partially inspired by you two and what you guys have been able to accomplish. Um, and so I, I, I want to provide this mental skills training and this professional coaching to uh, high school and college and professional athletes in our area in order to kind of give really hone in on these, uh, what I've learned and what I've been able to apply in my own life and give that gift back um, to folks. And so if you want to go learn more about that, um, topmentalgame.com. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, after watching your beast, Todd Durkin, I got to up my Instagram game, although I don't know if anyone's going to be able to compete with, uh, you guys and or Todd in that realm. <laughs> yeah. He's um, a beast. He's but, got the butt glue. He's sitting down. He's got, he's got <laughs> getting, getting stuff done. He's a trip. He's a trip. You, you should connect with him. I, I, we, we can do that. Okay. Um, I was, was he in studio? No, he's in okay, San Diego. I was going to say, yeah. Christine and him being in the same studio, <laughs> like a fire marshal or Place somebody explode. would have been, uh, would have been scary. Suck a satellite out of the sky. <laughs> and I know we, we got to run, but can I just say to um, both of you guys, like, uh, first of all, congrats on, you know, over a hundred episodes. That's amazing. 
But the things that you guys... I'm not surprised by your kind of meteoric rise in, in this game. And the fact is is that the two things that I think you know you guys bring to the table is you're vulnerable, you're not afraid to be vulnerable, and you're authentic. Um, and so when I think back of like... Uh, and this is not stuff that was in the podcast, but like when you were at the track at Point Pro talking about you know your dad and that was like the... <laughs> impetus for um you know dad's what's up yeah like that like really spoke to me as a dad now um and uh so thank you for that 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 was awesome and then christine you know with all your stuff with ra and you putting yourself out there you're uh, you know when i think of the vulnerability aspect like your boston experience last year (laughs) but like that's (laughs) made you who you are Mm -hmm. you know um and to me, that's like you guys can't fake what you guys um, bring to the table. So, as a avid listener of uh, of you guys uh, for over a hundred episodes, um, thank you for for what you guys have done. And keep uh, crushing it. Hey, thank you, man. It, it means a lot. And and I mean, talk about outside of my comfort zone. She's much more comfortable, and she's inspired me. Christine has yeah. inspired me to do some Touché. of that face stuff, uh, you know, and, and putting videos out there and things like that. And I don't I don't do nearly enough of it, mostly mostly because um, it, it's uncomfortable for me. Sure. Uh, you know, just like I was thinking, you know, the, this, the picture that came out after the, the Boston Marathon, it was uncomfortable for me. I didn't like the, the attention. I think that it showed. But the th- great thing about that was um, you talk about organic. Yeah. You know, um, so uh, I, you know, my sports thing yes. right, that I do on Facebook. Let's talk. A, let's go. But real quick, you know, um, the 30 second version on that is I... I Got tired of the social media stuff that I was putting. I didn't want to be snarky, so I decided to like f- hunt the good and find like awesome stories to to share because mm-hmm. I like to read those stories and I, other people like to read those stories. And it seems like this past year, like I have all these different people, to include yourself, right, have sent me you know these things with the sports. I never explained it to anybody; just kind of organically happened. But with your picture on Boston uh, at the Boston Marathon last weekend, I had I uh, you know uh, I. I Two, on two hands, how many people sent me that photo of you as in this needs to be a sports story? And so to me, like, and that has not happened. Like, you know, every once in a while, two people will send me the same thing. Right. I've never had that op- experience where multiple people, and I think it's a credit to you and the uh, the tribe that you have created. Um, and I love the fact that you're uncomfortable with it, but you got to own the awesomeness of it and... You made your wife there. and your kids proud. Uh, you made me proud. So we want um, the good. I yeah. said. I said to Brian. I said, you know what? People want to yes. be inspired yes. as much as you know. Maybe it makes you uncomfortable. And I've talked about this before. Like I want to be calm. I don't want pressure. Right. Just like athletes, what you're doing, the mindset. It. It's almost like you. You owe it. Other people want to be inspired. They want the good. And when we go up and run Boston, just a teeny small you know, thing in in the grand scheme of life, the hundreds of people that follow us when we run. And when I go over those little, you know, strips in the The road, I know when I go over that, people are, it's binging and I think of people and I think of their strength. It gives me strength. And I know that they want to be a part of something bigger. And that's when I say to myself or to Brian or, you know, to you, what you're doing with your leadership and, and really inspiring people People want hope. 
they want to be inspired. And this is what, you know, all of us are doing. And I know with you going to schools, I think we should talk about, you know, we we're making two fit crazy schools. Are you a two fit crazy school? Are you a fit crazy kid? We will now. So you need fitness, you need mindfulness, you need it all. And I think that that's something you need to be inspired. That's what life is about. Can I end with one quick thing I saw recently? Let's go. So the second division Marine commander um, got upset with his whole entire second division of Marines. And they're Marines. They're not Army, so I don't know a lot about them. But somebody leaked this on on, uh, on Facebook. And he was upset that, with their discipline and wanted them to kind of go back to basics. And uh, so they're, like, instituting, like, 530 PT, you know, room inspections, all this stuff like that. But at the end of it, he had this thing on there that was, uh, I think your listeners will appreciate he had a, um, he says, ask yourself this question every night. He goes, um, if you, uh, if someone accused you of being a Marine today, would you have enough evidence in order to be convicted? And I love that, you know, because this applies whether, you know, you're a, you want to be a good parent today, a good CEO, a good whatever. And, you know, if someone was, was tallying evidence on you, would they have enough evidence at the end of the day? You know, if you were accused of being something, could they convict you? I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. I hope that this is the first of many guest spots for you on this show. Oh, I mean, we'd love to come by. You yeah. have an open invitation open with invitation. the fit crazies Brian. in the studio. This is awesome because there's just so much more. And and now that you're you know you're living locally again, locally. and uh, and uh, you, you know you're coaching some football over there in Squanyville football. Right, go Warriors, Manasquan High School, Big Blue. Uh, and, uh, and you know, you're coaching with your dad, your, your brother's the head coach, your dad's an assistant. My little brother's a videographer. Yep. Brian Lee's my best friend. Best friend's the old court offensive coordinator. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, more like or less. Party. It's seriously. No, it really is. There's like, there's like all these prices and Brian's over there and, and, uh, and, and it's just, you know, the tradition I'm like, you it's know, it's priceless. It's. Oh, I had to hashtag <laughs> sports sports, baby. So let's wrap this up. Uh, I think you gave us everybody uh, your contacts, but if you want to roll through them again real quick. And uh, the book titles. The book titles and all that, and all that stuff. Go for it. Go. Yeah, books targeting top terrorists. Um, I'm on uh, uh, Facebook. You can find me, uh, Brian Price, uh, Price7, and then uh, topmentalgame.com. So, uh, so look us up. Awesome. Brian, we appreciate it so much. Thanks, guys. With that said, it is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.